Because after all, I really believe, I mean, you, you could probably guess this with books titled Eat What You Love, Love What You Eat. I really believe food can and should be a nurturing, nourishing, enjoyable part of our lives. Welcome to Zestful Aging, where I talk with fascinating, talented, and inspiring guests who reflect on the adventures and challenges of aging and who are living their lives with vibrance and purpose. I'm your host, Nicole Christina, psychotherapist, writer, and fellow Zestful Ager. I want to invite you to my brand new free webinar, Zestful Aging, Here's How You Do It. You can sign up at NicoleChristina.com. And as always, I appreciate your feedback. Well, I have my Jack Russell Terrier Sparky right beside me and my coffee in my hand. So let's begin. Today we'll be talking with Dr. Michelle May, a recovered yo-yo dieter and the founder of Am I Hungry? Mindful eating programs and trainings. Am I Hungry helps people resolve mindless and emotional eating so they can live the vibrant life they crave. She's also the award-winning author of the book series, Eat What You Love, Love what you eat. I that's the best title ever, and she's an expert in uh, mindful eating with diabetes, which I think is going to be really important for us to speak about. Welcome to the show, Michelle. Thank you, Nicole. I'm so glad to talk with you. Thank you. I, you know already, I'm a huge fan of mindful eating. So you're preaching to the converted here, but not everybody. Um, I think my sense is you correct me if you have a different experience. My sense is some people just don't really understand what it means to use mindful eating instead of a diet. Can you just explain how they're different? Absolutely. And I completely relate because, as you said in my intro, I was a yo-yo dieter for many, many years, even while I was in medical school and early in my practice, because I think diets really teach us that there's some formula that we need to follow perfectly. And if we can just find the right formula and stick to it, then all of our dreams will come true. <laughs> we'll be happy and healthy and beautiful. And but desired think, by all and exactly, given a pay raise. Exactly. And, you know, so I think most of us have have had the individual experience of trying a diet for a period of time and experiencing some success. And I'm using air quotes, if you could see me and then finding that it was not sustainable and then feeling bad about ourselves mm. and less healthy, less energized. And so that's the typical pattern. We call that uh, yo-yo dieting or, or, you know, we call it the eat, repent, repeat cycle. Yes. So for me and for many of the people that I work with and, and the professionals that I train, Mindful eating offers us a completely different paradigm, a completely different way of looking at our decisions around eating. So a really simple definition of mindfulness is just awareness of the present moment. And that might seem like, it, how could that help me? But the truth is that all decisions are made in the present moment. Diets are based on 
being good with the hope of some future happiness. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas mindfulness is really about making decisions right now that are a good fit for where I am in the present moment. So I like to say it's about eating with intention and attention. Mm-hmm. So through mindfulness, I'm able to teach people how to gain awareness of their body's cues and their body's needs. So for example, am I even hungry at this moment mm-hmm. that I feel like eating? Or is mm-hmm. it possible that this craving for brownies is really about boredom or stress or a need for comfort Mm -hmm. and if it's about needing fuel then we can make a decision well are brownies the fuel that I really feel I want at this moment or is it possible that I'm also looking for comfort and so we can take a really complex set of decision making skills and break them down step by step and teach people how to be more aware of what they're doing so that it's not about following rules or staying in control but it's about being aware and in charge of the decisions you're making. Does that Mm. make sense? It makes sense and so let me just throw out an example and I know that you've seen this because you're an expert in this but what I find with my clients is they I will ask them you know about their hunger and they have dieted for so long or they've eaten when they're not hungry because they're bouncing off a diet that they kind of look at me blankly like well um I'm not really sure when I'm hungry. So it seems to me that the first step is teaching what hunger actually feels like sometimes. Is that your experience? That's exactly my experience. And I think the, the key to all this is remembering that every one of us, almost without exception, there's some very extremely rare conditions where this might not be true, But the rest of us are born with the instinctive ability to know when we need fuel. And and you only Mm -hmm. have to spend a couple hours with a baby to know that that's true because they will cry when they're hungry. Now, they'll Mm -hmm. cry when they're wet or tired or overstimulated. And a parent or a caregiver can start to figure out the differences between those cries. But the truth is that many of us have unlearned our ability to know when we're hungry and for that matter, to also recognize when we're full because we're eating due to external and emotional cues. So we learn to eat by the clock, which is something you just mentioned. We learn to eat um, to be rewarded because we were a good girl or a good boy. And then, of course, dieting teaches us not to eat when we're hungry if we've already surpassed our allotted points or grams or calories Mm -hmm. or teaches us, as you said, to eat on a schedule because, ironically, a lot of diets teach us don't eat, don't wait until you get hungry because if you're hungry, then you'll overeat. And so there's this really counterproductive message that we can't trust our bodies Mm -hmm. to take care of ourselves. Oh, yes. Yes. And, you know, it's so funny because I know that on your retreats and in your work, you've, you've worked with similar people. I mean, I'm speaking with people who are superstars at their job. They're smart. They're successful. And when you talk about 
um, you know, why diets don't work and why it's not their fault that they're, you know, sort of failing at their diet. It's really news. I know. It's amazing, isn't it? And I completely agree with you. In fact, I think there's even probably more challenges for people who've found success in other areas of their lives but they have this one little secret or this one little thing that they can't quite figure out. I know that was true for me and it was true for many of my patients in my medical practice and so I think it's because we've tried to use willpower and control and you know following the rules to achieve this same kind of success but in 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 the body this restriction and deprivation backfires consistently backfires because if you think Mm -hmm. about it we have many 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 centuries of bodies that evolved to keep us alive to survive Mm -hmm. times when food was scarce And so when we intentionally restrict our intake, the body might initially respond, but over time that signals the body that we need to start conserving. And there's even, there's even brain chemistry that will start to ramp up that will make us more attuned to the presence of food, will Mm -hmm. increase our cravings, will increase our hunger. And so it's not just you that isn't able to stick to a diet long term your whole biology Mm -hmm. just does not want doesn't want you to Mm. die you're fighting (laughs) evolution right you know good luck with that good luck with that but but see the but diet culture doesn't tell us that diet culture teaches us that if we're not able to do it then we failed we somehow didn't do it right or we Mm -hmm. didn't we didn't have enough willpower we didn't have enough control and and again the irony of that is that so many of the people that are struggling with this they they've got they're they're taking care of families or aging parents they're they're doing careers they're you know they're 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 not having difficulty like this in other areas of their lives and so it becomes this really baffling frustrating and anxiety provoking experience to try to manage our eating with a restrictive diet that that ultimately and and the science is very clear there's a lot of research that proves it doesn't work and so I think it's really time for us to shift the conversation to decision making that really comes from the inside out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes so much sense. So how did you get into mindful eating with diabetes? Well, I'd been teaching mindful eating for quite some time. And um, I also speak at conferences and, and events. And I spoke at a diabetes event. And one of the, the audience members came up to me and she said, you know, Michelle, my patients with diabetes are yo-yo dieters all grown up. And I thought Uh that was a very interesting turn of phrase. So we had a little bit of a conversation about that. It turned out that that person was Migret Fletcher, Uh who is a dietitian and a certified diabetes educator, and I believe has been on your podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, And she, she said that, you know, a lot of the times people struggle with their eating for many, many years. And if they have an inherited tendency to get diabetes, they might develop diabetes and then try to apply the same methods that didn't work 
um, earlier in their lives to managing their diabetes. Mm -hmm. And so she and I had a good conversation about that and eventually wrote a book and developed a mindful eating program specifically for how to apply these concepts when your blood sugar is um, more difficult to manage. Could you just give us a little bit of a, a sort of a thumbnail sketch on what that might look like? Because I think for our audience, you know, it, it, it's one thing to say, okay, I think I'm getting the mindful eating, but then to put on top of, you know, and now we're talking about insulin levels and exercise and, you know, all of that. I know for me, it adds a level of complexity that might be a little bit more hard to understand. Can you talk a little bit about what that, that would look like? Well, if I could, I would take a step back and, and just tell you that all of all of our Am I Hungry programs and all of my Eat What You Love, Love What You Eat books are based on the mindful eating cycle because it's a decision-making model that allows us to apply our awareness to whatever our personal situation is and that might include diabetes for example and so the mindful eating cycle is six decision points why do I eat when do I eat or feel like eating what do I eat how do I eat it how much do I eat and then where do I invest the energy that I've consumed and so those six decision points encompass every single situation that comes up with mm. eating and again I've been doing this now this is my 20th anniversary of, of starting my company and for 20 years I have not yet come up with one scenario that couldn't be addressed by one or more of those questions. So you could use this if you're on vacation, if you're at a wedding, if uh, there's things there that maybe you don't even really like to eat but things aren't available. I mean, every single situation we find ourselves in where we have to eat, you could go through these six points and it would be a kind of a map for you. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And that's really, I think that's really what we bring to the table. We don't teach diet rules. We don't tell you what you can or can't eat, but we do teach you a system of, of questions that you can ask yourself mm -hmm. to help you gain awareness of, of, the decisions you're making. So before we jump into diabetes, let me use a different example that's very common. Many of us struggle with stress eating, right? Mm -hmm. So let's say that, you know, you've had a busy day and, you know, you've been running around like crazy. Maybe you're feeling a little overwhelmed. You have family coming into town or you've got work that you're trying to do or what, whatever is going on, mm -hmm. whatever your whatever your stress triggers are, and suddenly you become aware that you're craving chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> well, the diet model would say, well, chocolate chip cookies are bad. You should eat a rice cake instead, <laughs> which I don't know on what planet a rice cake is a good <laughs> substitute for chocolate chip cookies, but, you know, that's that's diet culture for you, right? That's and right. So that'll have you focusing on eating a lower calorie food um, instead. What we would do is to say, okay, so the when decision point is, well, I feel like eating. Let me pause for a second and notice what's going on in my body, mind, heart, and spirit. So I might notice mm. that I don't actually have any physical hunger symptoms. My stomach isn't growling. I'm not feeling low blood sugar. I'm not, you know, I'm not feeling... Um, distracted or having trouble focusing because my brain isn't getting energy, whatever. 
And so I think, okay, well, I'm probably not physically hungry. So what's happening? Well, I notice I'm clenching my jaw, my neck feels tight. What's going on around me? Well, I've got this overwhelming list of things to do. I feel stressed out. And, oh, isn't that interesting? I'm wanting chocolate chip cookies maybe to distract myself from Mm -hmm. all of this, maybe to give me a little bit of pleasure because I'm not experiencing any pleasure at the moment, or perhaps to comfort me from feeling overwhelmed by everything that's going on. So at that point that I become aware of all this, I might still decide to have chocolate chip cookies. And if I do, then I'm going to know that I'm doing it for pleasure and comfort and distraction. So rather than continuing to sit at my computer and working and shoving down chocolate chip cookies that I neither taste nor enjoy, I might take my chocolate chip cookies to a table and eat two or three mindfully and joyfully with pleasure to give Mm. myself the break that I was craving to feel the comfort that I was looking for and to experience the pleasure that I needed. And then when I'm done, return back to create a plan. Maybe I need to make a to-do list and prioritize it. Maybe I need to ask for a little help. Maybe I need to reset my mindset. Am I trying to be perfect about all of this? And so it's possible to have your cake and eat it too, so to speak. Whereas Mm -hmm. when we eat rice cakes, we're still stressed out and we didn't get the pleasure and the comfort that we wanted. So you're also teaching self-awareness self-care and self-compassion well said perfect and what it makes me think about is that when people do this program it could transform their entire life not just how they eat but how they relate to their themselves that's actually what happens now we don't lead with that because most people are convinced their problem is their lack of willpower, their difficulty around food. They don't recognize that in actuality food has maybe been their solution, not their problem. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes if we can just give them the awareness, then they come to that conclusion on their own. Because after all, I really believe, I mean, you you could probably guess this with books titled Eat What You Love, Love What You (laughs) Eat. I really believe food can and should be a nurturing, nourishing, enjoyable part of our Mm -hmm. lives. What diet culture has done instead is it's created conflict and a love-hate relationship with food that's fraught with guilt and and confusion. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it needs to be that way at all. And once we can resolve that troubled relationship with food, it leaves so much space in our lives for what I call vibrant living, what you call zestful aging. Mm -hmm. You know, this idea that if we can stop using so much of our energy thinking about food or not eating food or feeling guilty or hiding the evidence, right? Mm. If, if we can move away from that, that way of, of expending all of our energy and actually use the fuel we consume to live that vibrant, zestful life that we crave, then the eating really takes care of itself. Amen to that. I mean, I just, I, I cannot say 
uh, enough about how this philosophy just changes lives. And I and I'm sure you've had the experience. You know, I'm seeing in in therapy these incredibly lovely, mostly women, bright, talented. You know, writing these theses on these fascinating subjects, and they're just saying, "Oh my goodness, I had a donut this morning, and mm-hmm. I can't stop feeling bad about it." And you know, it just feels like such a tragic waste of talent and energy. Yeah, yeah, it, it really does. And you know, I, I mentioned the the six decision points. The last decision point is actually the most important. The last decision point is where am I investing the energy I consume? Mm. Well, diet culture teaches us um, to exercise and, and to punish ourselves with exercise when we've eaten the wrong thing or pay penance when we've eaten too much or even to exercise in order to earn the right to eat. Mm-hmm. Our mindful eating cycle turns that whole paradigm upside down and and really helps us recognize that how we invest our energy is about so much more than than how much you eat and how much you exercise and that ultimately food and physical activity are a way that we nourish and self and practice self-care but it's not the reason for existence and I suspect that many of your clients, like many of our participants in our retreats and workshops and book readers and that kind of thing, they're they're in some ways postponing living that vibrant, zestful life until they achieve some weight or some degree of whatever it is that they think is supposed to happen at some point. Mm-hmm. And, and day by day, week by week, month by month, their lives are just ticking by and and what we really want to do is move away from that idea that that you have to earn the right to be happy and live the life you crave. It's right here, right mm-hmm. now. Did your life feel transformed when you went from yo-yo dieting to mindful eating? Absolutely. I, I think transformation is unfortunately an overused word but it is so descriptive of this I mean I really went from spending so much energy logging and weighing and measuring and counting and that was even before there was an app for that right <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know we I do I, I still bit, right you would crack up Nicole but I have a box of old Weight Watcher uh, logs that I counted everything and mm. I, I did a blog post on this um, a few years ago I actually found one where I wrote down two lifesavers oh, come on I was a mother of two children I, I was running a medical practice I you know I oh. how could I waste my energy writing oh. down something as as inconsequential yes. as two lifesavers. Oh, it's heartbreaking, actually. It really is. And so the amount of freedom and the excitement, and like you said, this is a pathway to really learning how not just to eat mindfully, but live 
mindfully, which is about making decisions, conscious decisions. There's no right or wrong way to eat. There's no perfect diet for every individual. Mm -hmm. There's no good or bad foods. Mm -hmm. That dichotomous thinking, that that all or nothing kind of thinking gets so many people in trouble, not just with their eating, but in their lives in general. And so oftentimes the lessons that we learn through learning how to manage our eating without restriction apply to other areas of our lives as well. And you can see how seductive it is if we could just, you know, block out the what's happening in the world to am I going to have um, full fat yogurt or, you know, skim yogurt. It's such a seductive way to take our minds off of the messy, uh, painful, you know, confusing life we live in right now. Yes. And, and to your point, I think a lot of people over diet the same way they overeat. It becomes a distraction, a way of mm-hmm. coping with stress and confusion and mm-hmm. overwhelm and lack of self-care. Mm-hmm. And so we've Diet culture teaches us that when we do these things, we are taking care of ourselves, but the truth is we're not. We're still just distracting ourse- ourselves from from really doing the things that do lead to um, happiness and balance and satisfaction in our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I, and I guess I should come back to the to the diabetes question that we started with a little while ago, which is that sometimes people will say, okay, well, that all sounds fine and good, but you don't get it. I have diabetes. I can't eat what I love. I'm not allowed to have sugar. And my answer to that as a a family physician is, hey, wait a minute. If you have diabetes, then it's even more important that you learn how to manage your eating in a sustainable, satisfying way because Mm -hmm. diabetes isn't a short-term proposition it's for the rest of your life and so it's even more important that you learn how to make mindful decisions about your choices and saying I'll never eat sugar again I'll never eat sugar again I'll never eat sugar again okay I'm going to finish off this box of Girl Scout cookies Mm -hmm. and then I'm never going to eat sugar again Mm -hmm. (laughs) that that's even harder to manage your blood sugar when you're going from one extreme to the other. Better to figure out how to fit the things that you love into your eating and how to manage your blood sugar simultaneously. And believe me, it's it's not only possible, but I've, I've become convinced that it's the only way. Mm-hmm. I see. So how how is it for you these days? I know you're very busy with, you know, writing uh, you, you have your programming, your books and all. Are you still practicing in a, in a general uh, medical practice? No, no. In fact, I retired from that 12 years ago. I had inadvertently kind of worked my way into two full-time jobs. I was still practicing medicine plus my family and then and then writing and and developing programs for am i hungry and it kind of dawned on me i mean people kept saying to me you know michelle when are you going to quit your medical practice and do this mindful eating thing full time and i looked at them like they were crazy because i was so wrapped up in my identity as a physician it finally occurred to me that if i didn't 
make a choice one or the other that mm -hmm. I wasn't going to be able to practice what I was preaching I was trying to do too much I was trying to you know to burn the candle at both ends and it just mm -hmm. wasn't possible and I realized that mindful eating really is my gift it my all my struggles with my food and body image over the years early on really allow me to to be very empathetic and, and clear on what kinds of issues people are struggling with. And it's really, for me, become a passion, just mm -hmm. something that I can't imagine not doing. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's so interesting. You really took a left turn. You know, you went to medical school. You did the, it sounds like you did kind of the conventional road. And then you discovered this as you were helping yourself and there's so many people out there that need to hear your message. That's exactly right. And I just felt that we could reach a lot more people with something that really isn't widely available. As, as you talked about, so many of the people that you and I work with um, really are, are trapped in this one area. And I think investing my time and energy and, and the rest of my career in helping people find their way out of that eat, repent, repeat cycle has really been, uh, it's just been, it, it's been transformative for me personally. And I can't even, I, I don't even need to tell you because you already know this, <laughs> making a difference for other people, mm -hmm. freeing them up from that cycle and allowing them to go use their energy to live their vibrant, zestful life. It's its really amazing. I think the ripple effect is incredible. Mm, sounds like for you, you're saying it's so deeply satisfying. Mm, it is. Yeah. And that's what this, is, this podcast is about, right? Is mm -hmm. how do we discover the things that we're passionate about? How do we continue to find joy and the reason to get up every day and purpose and meaning and I, I don't know it, it's just it's amazing I, I feel very very lucky um, really very lucky to have even struggled with food because I never would have been able to do that work I do now if I hadn't personally experienced it. Yeah we see this a lot right when we're struggling or we're really uh, battling something and it can be deeply deeply distressing many of my guests have you know that's what their gift has um, sort of developed from is you know that they've been able to figure out a way out of that darkness and now they have this gift to, to help others and that's definitely a theme exactly yeah. right exactly we teach what we needed to know I guess mm-hmm right um so could you leave our listeners with maybe just a couple of of tools or a couple of suggestions if they're they know diets don't work because as you said the research is very clear on this um, but they're not quite sure how to start with more intuitive eating. Um, what, what are the first couple of steps you might recommend? Well, I think the simplest thing to do, and it's actually kind of deceptively simple, but the first thing I would do is the next time you feel like eating, just pause for a moment and ask yourself, am I hungry? Mm -hmm. Am I hungry? Now, hunger is a physical set of symptoms. It's not a craving. It's not a thought like, ooh, that looks good, or I better eat now because I might not be able to eat later. It's a physical set of symptoms. And so I would 
try to as best you can to return to that primitive ability to to notice that your body needs fuel it's kind of like checking your fuel gauge if you were mm, driving on a long that. car trip and you saw a gas station you wouldn't automatically pull off the highway you'd check your fuel gauge first and so that's where i would start you feel like eating just pause and notice whether you're hungry now here here's the caveat if you are not hungry you can still eat if you if you say oh i'm not hungry i'm not allowed to eat then you've turned this into another form of dieting and it will have the same outcome as every other form of restriction and deprivation so we're simply asking the question am i hungry not to decide whether you're allowed to eat but to notice why you want to that simple act of awareness will help you begin to recognize that you can meet your body's need for fuel and nourishment and enjoyment but also that sometimes you need something else besides food, like a nap or mm-hmm. a talk with a friend or a glass of water or whatever it is that you need, and that you moment by moment can learn how to recognize what your body's needs are and meet those needs in better ways than reaching for a chocolate chip cookie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, that and so there's flexibility you're talking about Absolutely. checking and, in and being and what and, and, and being curious. Yes. And I'm and I'm not trying to I don't mean to oversimplify this. I, I realize that that question, Am I hungry? is a door opener because the follow up then is, Well, wait a minute, I'm not hungry. How do I know what else right. I need? Now or, what? Okay, mm-hmm. I am hungry, how do I decide what to eat? So again, there's many, many other steps. But Mm -hmm. that simple pause will really allow you to begin to move away from what am I allowed to eat to, okay, what's going on here? Mm -hmm. Oh, it's, it's so important. And I just, I I so appreciate this work because I, I see uh, what happens when people are not able to do this at first Mm -hmm. and it's just it's so important it's hard to overstate you know you said transformative is a and I agree with you it's a much used word but people feel such freedom Mm -hmm. and like they've been given this this gift and it's a beautiful thing to watch right to watch it it happen and it's never too late. I mean, I was teaching yeah. a workshop for in a retirement community, and I'll never forget, it was in workshop four, and this woman, she's probably 70, 68, 70, she stood up, she slammed her <laughs> hands down on the table, and she said, I've been dieting for 40 <laughs> years. Why did nobody teach me this 40 years ago? Oh, wow. And then she sat back down, and she said, well better late than never <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. and that's exactly it right yes absolutely so how can people reach you Michelle and find out more about your programs your books your retreats what's the give me some ways to uh to help them find you so our website is amihungry.com mm-hmm. so a-m-i-h-u-n-g-r-y.com mm-hmm. and we have all kinds of freebie information there blog posts and articles and all kinds of ways that you can learn more either as an individual or somebody who'd like to learn to teach this and then let me give your audience a, an actual freebie we talked about the mindful eating cycle 
Um, if you use this link, you can download the first chapter of mm -hmm. Eat What You Love, Love What You Eat for free, and it will explain the whole mindful eating cycle in every one of those decisions, and it will help you figure out whether you eat restrictively, instinctively, or struggle with overeating or some combination. So that link is www.amihungry.com slash chapter one. The oh, word okay. chapter, C-H-A-P-T-E-R, and the number one. Perfect. Perfect. Am I hungry slash chapter one. Amihungry.com slash chapter one. Slash chapter one. Okay, great. So I'm going to put that up for our audience, and they'll be able to familiarize themselves with these six points. And there's so much out there that you've, uh, come up with that you've developed that they can learn about and do you also have a Facebook page yes I have a Facebook fa page for am I hungry and if you go to our main website mm -hmm. you can find all of our social media links Excellent. so I try to post mindful moments and little inspirational quotes and you can ask questions there we do an online support community for those who want you know to work with me directly and as you mentioned we do retreats and then mm -hmm. we also train other health and wellness professionals so mm -hmm. you might even who knows you might even have a workshop or a, a coach in your own area that you could work with oh that would be wonderful okay that's that's great Michelle thank you so much for being with me today I love your work your message is so important and I'm so glad that you you took the time to to share your message with with our audience today it's truly a pleasure thank you Nicole thank you so much for joining us on zestful aging if you like the podcast please share with some of your friends I love to hear from my listeners. Send me an email at NicoleChristina.com. And please consider becoming a patron of the show. You will get access to exclusive bonuses and you will be part of the Zestful Aging community. Keep us going strong. Go to Patreon.com slash Zestful Aging. See you next time for another episode of Zestful Aging.